I'm Charlie Melcher, founder and director of The Future of Storytelling. Welcome back to the FOSS podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with renowned actor Neil Patrick Harris. But before I do so, I'd like to say how excited and appreciative I am to announce that we have a partner for today's episode, and not just any old partner. This is a perfect partner for us, PBS American Portrait. PBS American Portrait is a storytelling project which invites you to participate in a national conversation about what it means to be an American today. This PBS project highlights the values inherent to storytelling that we deeply appreciate and share at FOST, namely the ability for stories to connect us, to create empathy, and to engender a sense of community and belonging. We invite you to log on to pbs.org backslash American Portrait to add your story. It's a chance for you to share your life experience and to have your voice heard. And now on to this week's conversation. Here at FOST, we believe that great innovation comes from the cross-pollinization of disciplines, which is why at our yearly summit, you might find a novelist, virtual reality developer and a studio executive participating together in a dance workshop. Few embody this enthusiasm for multi-hyphenate creativity better than longtime FOSS collaborator Neil Patrick Harris. Originally coming to prominence as a star on television with comedies such as Doogie Howser MD and How I Met Your Mother, Neil has since proven his extraordinary skills as a dramatic actor a voice actor, a leading man in theater, a singer, a dancer, a writer, a director, even a magician. In our conversation, he discusses his fascination with the subversion of traditional storytelling structures, which spurred his interest in non-traditional forms such as immersive theater. As the star of one of the most prominent early web series, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and the author of a best-selling Choose Your Own Adventure autobiography. He is certainly well-versed in breaking the mold and serves as an inspiration to all of us to branch out of our comfort zone and explore our full creative potential. I'm very pleased to welcome Neil Patrick Harris to the FOSS podcast. Neil, it's such a pleasure to be sitting down and talking with you. How have you been? I've been okay. I've, uh, this is these are such uncharted territories for everyone, right? That it's been it's been kind of bonkers. I was supposed to have been in Berlin, Germany, making the Matrix Four movie, and we filmed in San Francisco. And then, as they were transferring to Berlin, literally, I was supposed to fly out on a Saturday, I think. And then everything got stopped. So I could have been stuck in Berlin. I was supposed to have been filming this super kick-ass movie there, which is on hold, but not forever. I have this thing in my family that I get eye rolls from. I call it hashtag plans. It's sort of my go-to saying. And I've been saying it so much. And hashtag plans to me just means no matter how much you're trying to stick to a plan, it just always changes. Hmm. It's the beauty of immersive theater. It's the beauty of constants not being constant. And it's a pain in the ass. And at the same time, 
especially right now, the plan that you think you're going to have is not the plan that ends up happening. Weekly, daily, every hour is different. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing very well, uh, all things considered. Uh, We also are uh, out of the city right now, and we've been able to sort of shelter in place uh, here in Connecticut. And so that's been um, a real blessing. I feel very blessed. Uh, So many people are dealing with so many incredibly difficult, scary, and hard things. And, um, And here I am with the great pleasure of getting to sit and have a conversation with you and to do good work and to be able to be um, busy and distracted, uh, that's, that's really been a tremendous gift. This is just so effing crazy, though, because when I start thinking about how many different communities, professional and personal, are being affected in unique ways, it is a rabbit hole that's really dark. Because I just think about myself, obviously, I'm an actor, <laughs> and in within that, that whole industry has been sort of on hold, yes, but everyone in sort of the film world is just waiting now. Then you think about the live theater world is decimated right now. The Tony Awards not happening. Broadway musicals that were five years in the making, not only postponed, never happening. Things that I just don't know how they'll recover and I don't know how how it, how we'll get back to a stasis. I feel like we're now going to be looking back at these old times as the good old days when you didn't have to wear a mask to see a show. I don't know. I honestly don't know what it's going to mean. When you could go to an immersive theater show and find yourself two centimeters away from lip to lip with some actor. Yeah, <laughs> that is a shockingly terrifying thing right now. And I don't know even when this wave passes, how people are going to be able to be okay with that again. It's so twisted in so many ways. And I'm not saying this is a Debbie Downer situation, but I'm in trying to come up with solid footing about how to move forward, not only creatively, but just just personally on a daily. Everything is going to change. Let's start there for a second, because you know, here you were about to go to Berlin to, to be filming Matrix, and now you are in lockdown with your family, social distancing. How's it been just being with your kids all day, every day? Our kids are nine twins, a boy and a girl. We're told to not teach as a teacher, but to parent as a parent, that let, let the teachers at school do the teaching, and then they come home and we don't need to be teaching them. We need to be parenting them. Not anymore, dude. Hashtag plans. <laughs> we are now <laughs> teaching them, which is complicated because I like to te- think of myself in way- many ways as a teacher. I love to be Kermit the Frog or P.T. Barnum. or um, But now I'm teaching kids about division and Guyana and things. And I don't quite know how to do that. So I've had to become very selfless and apologetic in a lot of instances and let them know that I'm not so good at this, that I'm going to be failing a lot more probably than I am going to be succeeding. But within that comes new experiences and within new experiences comes new stories to tell. Inevitably, it's going to change in so many ways that we didn't ever anticipate. 
And are you seeing, I mean, one thing that I've been seeing is just how creative people are and how the desire to express themselves, to connect with each other, to to get out of their social distancing virtually has led to a whole flowering of new types of uh, performances, new types of um, sharing and community and creativity. Have you been seeing some of that online? I have, and I honestly, it's an interesting thing to ask me, and I have to probably word myself pretty specifically because I'm not sure how I feel about most of it. It feels opportunistic in a way that annoys me. I guess I'm all for the creativity. I just don't know why we need to be putting it on social media. That becomes a different weird level for me. Like you're just wanting likes or you're doing it to somehow grab a hold of a new generation of commerce. I hope that's not the case. I hope it's just to show good. I don't think I'm as cynical as that. Yeah. I mean, I think people are doing it to try to make a, a contribution, to try to help um, lighten the anxiety or the fear, uh, or even if if nothing else, then just to provide sure. some different entertainment and distraction. And yeah, I mean, I like that moment when on John's show where they had mm. uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda show up and sing uh, Hamilton. I mean, I brought a tear to my eye. It, it was... That girl was out of her mind excited when when Lynn, you know, <laughs> zoom bombed uh, the the conversation and then brought in the entire cast. Uh, and then, of course, even just to to hear that song in that context uh, and to see those amazing, talented actors and actresses, like it, it I thought that was a moving uh, statement. Fair, and I guess it just made me jealous that I was never in Hamilton. Um, (laughs) everybody knows you as this amazing actor from television from film from from theater but i don't think everybody actually appreciates uh your passion and enthusiasm for interactive and immersive storytelling i know your interest in vr and xr and escape the rooms and where's that interest come from and, and what's so alluring to you about interactivity and immersion? I think that I'm a big fan of structure in my life. Because I spend a lot of time contemplating structure, I guess I'm most intrigued when someone can beat structure, can find a different way to do it. The Broadway stage is a big proscenium stage with big giant seats that are all in rows and you see a show and you can see all kinds of different shows, but you're sitting passively in a seat watching things in front of you. So then when when in a show people come down the aisle, you're kind of breaking structure. Oh, that's exciting. Oh my gosh, there's people in the aisle. Or, oh my gosh, it's a boxing musical and the whole boxing ring in the Rocky musical comes forward. There's something unique and exciting about the record scratch of change of structure. I keep being interested in how that manifests itself. I want content that I want to be invested in. I want content that that makes me applaud the people that created it because I know that they value my experience. I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, my my experiences with one-on-ones in immersive theater shows are some of the most memorable theatrical experiences of my life. Basically, that's because for me, they were engaging all my senses. 
I was not just watching or listening, but I was having this kind of full-bodied, immersive, multisensorial, participatory, personalized yeah. experience. And because of all those things, they're so much more um, emotionally evocative and, and memorable. I went in New York uh, years ago and, and uh, was at a coffee shop and there was a stack of cards by the door advertising something. I picked it up and it was called Accomplice. There were nondescript pictures of a woman wearing a feather boa, but you couldn't see her face and a hand holding a key. These weird things I didn't quite get, but I was excited by this. I love the scavenger hunt. Again, the sort of I love games and, and solving riddles and murder mysteries and things. And so we did it. And sure enough, the day before, bring, hey, is Neil there? Uh, yeah, this is Neil. Yeah, here's the thing. See, you're going to go to the South Street Seaport on downtown. Uh, you, you, by the way, you don't know who this is. You never, you never heard this call. You're going to go to the South Street Seaport. There's going to be a, a, a ship. You're going to go to the left of the ship. You're writing this down. I want you to write that. And, and it, all this stuff in character. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. Oh, hold on. Let me grab a pencil. <laughs> and I wrote the whole thing down. Sure enough, our friends that we met, and this is in a regular outside public place. We see a guy and he sort of sees us. And he's not overtly in costume, but he might be, but we can't tell because it's New York. And then he gestures with his head to follow him. <laughs> we, oh, oh, crap, this is happening. <laughs> so we go and we meet around a corner. And then for the next two and a half hours or so, we're on this walking tour of Chinatown, sort of the lower west side of New York. Also hidden amongst this, this real environment were actors who we had to in interact with. And they looked like real people. <laughs> now, this was very exciting in two ways. One, trying to find actual people to solve the thing. But, but secondarily, as I'm walking through Chinatown with my friends trying to find a shop that'll sell me a live frog that I have to then take to another place, everyone is in the cast. Right. So it was a brilliant business conceit because you didn't need a cast of 50. You needed a cast of seven or whatever. But it felt like when I was participating that there was a cast of 20,000. <laughs> a guy would be walking by with a parrot on his shoulder and we'd all say, oh, well, he's definitely got to be a <laughs> show because he's a guy with a parrot on his shoulder. And he wasn't. He was just a weird guy with a parrot on his shoulder. But it, it created, again, this vibe that I had never experienced before where everywhere, everyone I looked at, every building, I, every doorway, every sign was now potentially part of my plot. And I just loved that. I've all, I always have loved that idea. What I think is so brilliant about that is that you are now made more hyper-real, uh, hyper-aware of everything around you. Totally. somehow in life we end up uh, blocking out so much of, of experience, so much of the world just to get from point A to B or we're lost in our thoughts or we're intentionally avoiding people, certainly on the streets of New York, right? You Sometimes, but I think... I think that that's innate. That's human nature. I mean, we're we're filled with thoughts, and we have to become myopic and and head to the single place that we're going while we're thinking about three other things. Right? It's it's nearly impossible to exist on a much wider spectrum where we're looking around and taking in things and pondering and wondering. So when we get to be placed in a scenario where we we are asked to do that, holy cow! all of these different ways of, of, of experiencing things through story in a more immersive way 
has probably fueled me to want to act in different ways. I feel like a career is made up of as many chapters of of a big book as possible. And I want my bucket list to be overflowing with with adventures and, and different uh, experiences. Is there one on your bucket list that you can think of? Like what would be the dream role you haven't had or character mm. you've always wanted to play? I'd still like to really do one of those movies with a lot of sort of CG and wire work and a very, like a physical kind of role because I do a lot of that stuff anyway. I can walk in a tightrope and trampoline stuff and juggle and do all kinds of things. I actually know how good you are. We did that that experience when we were in Edinburgh with our future storytelling friends and that group from Australia, Backbone. Do you remember they led us through those workshops of trust exercises and lifts? And uh, anyway, I was so impressed with how... Um, what great balance you had and sort of training for that kind of physical work. That's the body you want is the circus <laughs> performer because they're lithe and yet super strong and they're focused. I did a lot of trapezing when I was younger in Los Angeles. I found a guy named, there was a guy named Richie Gaona uh, of the Flying Gaonas and he lives in Woodland Hills and he would teach, um, teach trapeze. He had a full trapeze rig in his backyard. Uh, I went and started taking lessons and, and it's a very interesting triage of skills because you have to have the strength to be able to physically swing and kick your legs up and hold positions and tighten your core. You also have to have an innate sense of calm. It's graceful. And the grace comes from a yoga kind of letting go and just letting it be. But if you're not, if you're doing that too much, you're not strong. And if you're just strong and letting it be, you're not focused. And it was a very interesting ability to like put those, those three things together. I like the precision, you know, so it would be fun to be doing something. I got to work with David Fincher on a movie called Gone Girl, and he's very precise. And I loved it. It was 30, 40 takes of every shot. And it was, it, I felt like a, I was watching and working with a director who was crafting, who was a sculptor chiseling. It felt like a different, it wasn't, didn't feel hurried. It didn't feel, it didn't feel like the editor would deal with it later and we're just going to bang out shots and we'll like, we'll deal with it after the fact and we got to make our day. It felt like we were working with someone who had, when he was happy, it was right. And I don't know, that was a great experience. So I would love to do more of the technical working. I once got to go on set to watch J.J. Abrams direct Star Wars. Cool. And I used exactly the same metaphor of a sculptor, like removing clay or adding clay. Like if I felt like he was, he was working it each take to get exactly all the elements just where, you know, he knew what he needed and he was working to get that clay just right. It's a beautiful thing to watch somebody with such um, mastery of their craft. J.J.'s the man. I'm hoping to be working with him on a on a big Broadway musical project soon. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So so that reminds me, like you are so um multi-talented, Neil. Like you have the ability Thank to work you. in so many different ways in front of the camera, behind the camera, singing, magic, uh writing. Like w- w- first of all, there aren't that many people who have that range. Why why are you somebody like that. And then secondly, what, 
what do you enjoy most? Like you get of all of those kinds of roles. Um, I think I'm just old. <laughs> I think with age, with age comes, like I've, I've been doing this a while, man. I'm 46 years old and I've been doing this since I was uh, 11, You 12. did start young, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I think it's just because I've had the ability to have multiple chapters and, and play around and stuff. I'm going to push back though, because there are a lot of old actors who never did any of that. And you, you had a curiosity maybe, or uh, an impatience, or I don't know, because seriously, you've pushed into so many different areas, right? Most people don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm turned on by the process. And so I, I guess that would answer your question of why do I do so many things? Because I, I'll do a multi-camera sitcom and, and, and suck it dry and then think, oh, but oh, wouldn't it be cool to do a small independent film? And then I'll do an independent film. Great. That was super fun too. What about writing something? What would that be like? And then I experienced that. So I, I'm enjoying that I'm getting to play in all these different sandboxes. I remember walking around... Edinburgh, when we went to see, what, four or five shows a day. And you, it seemed like you were, um, you were absorbing it all like source material. It's like you were taking these mental notes as we went. I, do you remember we, uh, we went to see Manual Cinema's Frankenstein? Oh. And afterwards, which was amazingly beautiful and so deconstructed and, and referencing every kind of storytelling medium and <laughs> through history. And afterwards, uh, the creators came out and they brought the Frankenstein puppet. Mm. And you like ate this puppet up. Like you were, you needed to know everything about it and how they made it and how to operate it. And next thing I know, you're you're animating it. And and it just was an example to me of the curiosity and hunger to learn. And and what I could see was like you were making mental notes for something else you were going to do with it. Well, I appreciate you you mentioning puppetry because I had not put that into this equation, which is I am so. I am so in awe and enamored by all of that. Jim Henson was the only person I ever wrote a fan letter to when I was a small kid in, in New Mexico because I think the notion of creating character in an inanimate form and then animating it is unbelievable. Using felt and ping pong balls or you know pieces of straw and a hot glue gun and making something that then can become a character that's fully act actualized is mind-boggling to me and it takes more than one person to do that but i love it isn't that isn't that great i mean isn't that what we're doing this for is that you can sit and watch something and love it and be moved to tears by the story that they're showing and then on a whole other level and simultaneously be in awe of how they did it like seeing the magic trick while watching how the magic trick is being done. I love that idea too that you're me referencing, which is this to be able to be engaged with your head and your heart at the same time, right? To feel moved by the emotion and still be able to think or appreciate. Exactly right. And to allow the audience to feel smart. I think that's a big key in, in telling stories. If you talk to kids like they're babies, they're going to lose interest. And I don't think in turn you should make people feel like they're super smart and are supposed to know all the source material. My gosh, when I go see Tom Stoppard plays at Lincoln Center and it's all about Russian czars for seven hours, 
it's great. And I leave feeling really dumb because I don't know Russian history and there's 47 characters and Ethan Hawke's really good. And I'm thinking, I don't, I probably should have, I guess I had homework to do before I saw this. So I like it, I value it. But in, 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 at the same time, I think, uh, I kind of wish it was for someone who, I, I wish it was a little more accessible. And then the other side of that coin is when you're watching something that's so dumbed down that I think, right, I know, I get it. You don't have to show extreme close-ups of eyes welling with tears. I'll cry when I want to cry. I'm always looking for those kinds of shows that let the audience really in. At Future Storytelling, curating around this idea that one of the big shifts of the 21st century was that we had technologies that were enabling people to be in the stories, right? To not be passive consumers of their stories as, as we had been for uh, so long since the invention of mass media, uh, but that basically to be active participants in them, uh, which takes us back to a kind of storytelling that goes to our roots, like an oral tradition or mu- early musical traditions where everybody danced or everybody sang or everyone played an instrument. No one sat quietly, passively in rows and just listened to music. <laughs> We all we all were part of the music, and the same with stories, and and so you know the the excitement of things like immersive theater or um, XR, you know uh, VR, AR, XR was that they were enabling us now to have this embodied role. Um, but I do I do share with you that fear that uh, that's going to be set back now, at least at least the ones that are physically uh, with physical proximity. Well, that's interesting because we start we started this discussion with me sort of lamenting about how I'm worried about how it will how storytelling will maintain itself. But I but we finished this, and I think to myself, we are at an interesting thing. I, I'm I'm curious to see what stories will come from the Zoom world that we live in. I mean, as as filmmakers, as as creators, because there's something weirdly Blair Witch about about having uh, a narrative where you have these little screens on a, a bigger screen. It's almost as if we are the editors of our own movie. Like I, I'm, I'm curious to see what filmmakers, what the J.J. Abrams uh, are going to come up with in the short term, because we need content. You can't go to circuses right now. And so it'll be curious to see in this quibby world that we live in how how to belie the structure in a way that's very effective. And if any if anything, it's it's lighting a fire under our virtual asses to uh to change the to change the game. The authenticity of the creative, I think, leads. I think you lead with that. And I think if you believe in it and if you've thought it through and you're not just blindly saying, no, I'm creative, I think we should do all these dumb things. Um, but if you're thoughtful and mindful and creative, I, I, think, I think you'll succeed. It's incredibly challenging as a time, but, uh, but maybe this is going to be the moment for people to stop a little bit, pause and recalibrate and come up with some new, really beautiful work. So, I mean, we can lament all the things that we're not but you have to look at not only the things that we are, but you can look at the things that we can be. And in a time when there's a lot of people that deserve 
to have an escape or two, it's good to be one of the creators of that and to try and steer it to the positive. Great. So I look forward to seeing you singing some song with about a dozen other celebrities on YouTube tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. I'll call every Hedwig that's ever, that's ever sang this part. <laughs> see what we can come up with. <laughs> Neil, thank you so much. This has been really a pleasure. It's great to see you and it's great to get to hang out a bit together. Likewise. I can't wait to give you a big hug one of these days. Me too. Me too. A big virtual one to you, buddy. Cheers. Be well. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to PBS American Portrait for their generous support and to Neil Patrick Harris for his inspiring conversation. As an extra treat for Neil Patrick Harris fans, we've included a few special photos on our website. If you enjoyed listening and would like to hear more, we'd really appreciate if you'd subscribe to and rate our podcast. In addition, if you know someone who dig our show, please be sure to pass it along. The best thing you can do to help support us is to spread the word. Thanks again for your time and a big thank you to our production partner, Charts and Leisure. We'll see you next week with another conversation. Until then, please be safe, be strong, and story on. For more information about future of storytelling or to subscribe to our newsletter, Faust and Thought, visit us at fost.org.